2: Hello, oh, and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about The Bad Batch, Episode 3, along with Sarah Hayashi, a regular guest on the Star Wars Universe Podcast, and Jay Scotty St. Clair of the Animation Deliberation Podcast. All that and more after commercial break, we have no control over it.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring:
2: a laundry? Ooh, a book club? Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah. Oh.
2: Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Uh, I'm joined today by a couple of awesome people. First of all, Jay Scotty St. Clair. Jay Scotty, as well as his co host, will be joining us uh, every week because we're teaming up for this podcast with the folks in the Animation Liberation Podcast. Jay Scotty, so glad we could have you with
0: us. Thank you so much. Uh, happy to be here. Excited to do our first live coverage of this awesome series.
2: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, for those listening at home, we are also live streaming this on Twitch. We'll hopefully be doing that uh, every Friday morning at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Central. Uh, Obviously, that time can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Uh, So that way, if you want to throw in questions, give feedback, stuff like that, we'll be right here for it. Uh, Also joining us is Sarah Hayashi. Sarah's been a regular guest with us with The Clone Wars. And so especially given that this is a direct growth out of that, really excited to have you with us too. Sarah, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm glad glad to be here. Thanks for having me
2: on. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, So let me just start with kind of general thoughts. What did you guys think of this episode?
0: Uh, well for me coming off of the last episode, you know i, I voiced some uh some criticisms, even though I, I did enjoy it. This was much more a return to form to me in a, in a lot of ways. I really like the tone, I like the action and I just I like the character development and uh, uh the reintroduction of, of a certain character I feel um, anytime anytime he's involved, uh the show is just that much better for it. so I'm coming really high off this episode.
2: I think we can give a full spoiler warning that, um, okay. we're assuming you've seen the Bad Batch episode three. So, uh, Jay Scotty, who's that, uh, character? Well,
0: I think everybody knows Crosshair, so we didn't see him last, last episode, but he got some really, really, uh, uh, effect, effective scenes here and, and some really moving stuff. And I'm, I'm super excited to see where they go with the character.
2: Yeah, me too. What about you, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I, I liked it as well. Um, I've. I've liked all the episodes. I'm pretty easy to please, I think, when it comes to the <laughs> show. Um, but yeah, I, I liked how we had the the A story and B story, and that was interesting. And really getting to see the development of the stormtrooper army moving away from being the clone army, and had right. like Crosshair's involvement in that um, as well as like from the I guess A line. I don't know which you you'd call which, but um, the rest of the bad batch. Sort of mourning and missing crosshair as well. Yeah. And then this idea of, like, can he can he be redeemed? Is this all his fault? Yeah. That sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think we had some discussion last episode of wondering, like, is he just going to become an antagonist or will there be the we're going back for him storyline? And I, I was really glad to see that. It seems pretty clear we're going back for him. And that there is this... Because to me, that that's such a beautiful tension that they established somewhat already in the Clone Wars Season 7 of... What do you do when you're all brothers, when you've all been fighting together all this time, and now some of you are fighting against you, but for reasons that are kind of out of your control, you know, cuz it's mind control or the chip or whatever. And I think there's just a uh, there's a lot of really beautiful storytelling to explore there about what like he's their brother. He they love him. They they miss him, but also now he's trying to kill them. And how do you balance that? I yeah, or not agreed. like
1: not trying to kill them specifically. Well, I guess he he did, but it started with this, like, trying to kill their friends, and they didn't understand why. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think there there is this maybe element of, like, well, are we disobeying orders, and that's why he's after us? And then it does seem to boil down to this, like, they figured out it's the chips somehow, but still need to dig in more to that.
2: Right. What What did you guys think of, because um, he got a, a good storyline himself, with him being kind of the leader of this new batch of the elite soldiers... And proving that, you know, we had an elite soldier who was like, killing civilians, that's not what we signed up for. Uh, And Crosshair, you know, killed the guy and then ordered the the killing of the civilians. What what was your kind of take on where his character went there?
0: Uh, As dark as it was, I I loved everything about that side of the story. Getting introduced to, you know, the civilian introduction, um, you know, civilian stormtroopers in the Empire, that's something like a fan like me knows nothing about, so the time that we got to spend with uh, the character of like Admiral Rampart and seeing what that's actually doing to the Kaminoans and how they're actually stressing and what they're going to do in response to that. I mean, in addition to all that, you know, seeing those civilian soldiers butt heads with someone like Crosshair, who he's used to enjoying the company of, of people that are, are just like him in, in more ways than not. And um, just to see how ruthless and effective he is and you know how how that's going to you know change the tone of, of how the empire treats civilians and just how the empire is, is viewed. I, I love all of that stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, and when and when the uh I don't even know if we got names for the the stormtroopers, but the the blonde guy who was mm-hmm. mouthy and like telling crosshairs that he's going <laughs> to take over from him. Right. Like when they were in that transport and he was kind of melting off, I was like, um, Rick and I were joking that. Like, oh, no, there was an accident, and this guy accidentally got shot. (laughs) But, like, Crosshair seemed to find a more effective way of of getting rid of this guy. At least a more legitimate way, maybe. But, yeah, and I like that we got the repetition of good soldiers follow orders. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, To me, there's kind of two related storylines that we saw, and I I want to talk about the larger story one with the the, the switch to the Stormtroopers. But just with Crosshair for a second, I thought this was really interesting, both for who his character is— but also because I felt like, and tell me if you guys read it differently. I felt like we were really learning a lot more about what Order sixty six actually means. Because up until now, all we really known was that it meant you have to kill all the Jedi, and that you have you can't question it, you can't do anything about it, you have to kill the Jedi, and that it, as you said, Sarah, and as Crosshair said, Crossfire said, no, Crosshair said, <laughs> uh, good soldiers follow orders. Right. As I've understood it. Like, we've had in the past, in the Clone Wars, situations where generals gave orders that the clones thought were terrible, and they clearly questioned them. And in a few instances, like, directly went against those orders or disobeyed those orders. So we know that clones could do that before now. To me, I felt like they were really expanding what Order 66 meant, because here, Crosshair is being given an order that he is kind of like the obey orders type up until now. But you know, we saw the what we saw of him in the Clone in the Clone Wars season seven, didn't strike me as the guy who would happily shoot civilians without any question. And so, I, I at least I took I took this as especially because he repeats that kind of brainwashy phrase, "Good so, good soldiers follow orders." That this was that Order sixty six actually is a lot broader. And Order sixty six really is like we're going to cut off independent discernment and thought about your orders. You are now just going into utter and total compliance. About the Jedi, or pretty much anything else, at the Emperor orders is that is that kind of how you took it, or did you see that scene differently?
1: Yeah, that's that's what I thought. So I actually, um, Ricky, my husband, who's been the co-host for our uh, Clone Wars episodes, and I watched this together this morning, and he's at work right now. Bah. But um, we were ta- chatting about it, and he he got a different take. He thought it was more like. Um, like John Walker from uh Falcon and Winter Soldier just sort of going rogue being angry. Hmm. And I was like, no no, he's like Winter Soldier from Winter Soldier, where he's being brainwashed, right? right. And that Order Sixty Six mm. is this ultimate compliance. We got to see a scene where his chip his inhibitor chip was like tweaked to make him, I guess, even more compliant by the Kaminoans. So yeah, I right. do think Order Sixty Six is this ultimate compliance order.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and thank you for pointing out that he has had his order 66 chip kind of like improved and i don't know if that's because it was kind of damaged and they brought it back up to normal but i think i think they definitely expanded it so you're right it might be that some of the other clones would have like i'm not don't think we're supposed to do that but definitely not him
0: i i know this isn't the exact time for rampant speculation but uh the fact that we the fact that we did see crosshair return to that you know that that uh it looks like a a cat scan to me but whatever is you know uh, improving his inhibitor chip. It did give me concern when, uh, when Wrecker's head started to hurt from just a seeming knock on the head. And it made me think, um, you know, some of the things I brought up on, on the first episode's coverage about maybe Wrecker will be influenced by this inhibitor chip. And hopefully whatever tech is, is developing there in terms of, uh, combating that will, will come to fruition sooner rather than later. I'm hoping.
2: Yeah. I think that's certainly a real possibility.
1: Yeah, and I, I 100% agree with you. Like I thought for sure when he was like, oh, my head. Mm-hmm. You didn't hit your head. This is your inhibitor chip mm-hmm. malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. And also someone should stay with you because <laughs> at the very least you have a concussion. And like <laughs> someone needs to keep an eye on you. But.
2: You know, I have to say for all the things that the Bad Batch is doing well, their decisions about maintaining the safety and care for <laughs> the other members. I, I am not a parent. But I have been a like a Sunday school teacher and I've done other things like leading groups for children. And I think I've sometimes used the language of, you know what, we all need to work together. We're all a team. That being said, if some (laughs) massive danger occurred and I've like, you know, someone there was like a a shooter in the building or something, and I felt I had to go deal with something, and one of the little ten year olds under my care had said, No, I have to come with you. I'm on your team I'm not taking them with me. And I want to know what you all think. I yeah. I, I loved what Hunter did there, but I was also like, N- no, 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 she's 10. She, uh, Paul Hoppy pointed out in a Facebook comment, she doesn't have armor. She doesn't have weapons. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. She didn't know what dirt was until like a day ago. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Uh, this is not, this is not the person you're bringing with you. This is, this is the like, you stay and make sure Wrecker doesn't have a concussion.
2: <laughs> right? That might be a good pairing of resources. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I can't argue with any of that, but uh it, just in terms of the story, it was nice to give Omega another opportunity um, to step up to the plate and where there was an opportunity where violence could have been used um, as the Bad Batch is so often done, re- relied on, on on violent methods. It was nice to see her have that moment with the Ordo moon dragon. And, you know, um, there was actually a moment of beauty there, seeing it like light up and her being able to accomplish that in in such a manner. I, I really like that, that through line there.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, whatever choice it was uh, it took to get her out in the field, I thought it, it did turn into a brilliant moment, mm-hmm. especially because it, it's kind of a trope, but I think a really good one of one fairly naive person joins the sort of very battle-hardened, very cynical, very jaded people. And for the most part, that person, like, doesn't know the things that everybody else knows. But sometimes you get a moment where, like, they also haven't learned to always think, as you said, like, the fighting is the right is, is necessary they haven't learned that you always have to battle every monster right and, and yeah i, I like that i thought that was a nice like what can omega show show them as well as what they can teach her
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: yeah i i also i like that she didn't sneak off again as well yeah um, because i think like that maybe sets up a, a bit of a dangerous president president precedent mm-hmm. and we get her pushing into kind of anakin territory Ooh. of like well, I've never followed orders, and it's always worked for me before. So, yeah. So the fact that like Hunter willingly brought her along, even though yeah, hundred percent bad parenting call. <laughs> I mean, like Hunter's not a parent. Hunter like doesn't know what he's doing. Which is what like when Sue and um, oh cut what's cut? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like when they were like, "You should take Omega, please," and thank you. Yeah, like right. I thought that was a good call because like you know these folks. Yeah. They're good parents, right? And then her her coming back to Hunter and the rest of the batch, like, yeah, that's not that's not right. That's not what's right for this kid. But also, we wouldn't have much of a story if she just went and hung out with a happy family,
2: right? So let me ask you. This is kind of a side thing, but I'm curious. And I, we got an email about this actually. Oh, good. Oh, good. Omega versus Omega. <laughs> um, yeah. Why? Because like you know, I've said Omega, you said Omega, which makes sense because like the name. She calls herself Omega. Everyone else calls her Omega. She calls it. Go go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I think she calls herself Omega because she's got her New Zealand accent and that's just how you say Omega in that accent.
0: Right.
2: Well, but no one else, everyone else is still calling her by the other name, by Omega. (laughs) And I'm wondering, do you think this is just, um, like, is there a plot point here of that she's not quite, like, she's shy and so doesn't want to actually correct people on her name? Or is this kind of a a new hope moment where Peter Cushing seemed to think that the character was princess Leah and no one wanted to correct the famous actor. And so they just had it on screen as people calling her different names.
1: Well, I think it's just like different names sound different in different accents.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what I'm willing to kind of lean into there. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Like my, (laughs) my name sounds real weird in Japanese, but I understand that that's still my name and that's just like how it sounds with that accent.
2: That makes sense. Yeah. I can see that. But yeah, we could we could get
1: like a data data moment yeah. from her <laughs> later.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely be curious to see where it goes. I will say that um, this is kind of backing up to what we thought of the overall story, but uh, it's very much on this. I've had kind of a a, a one eighty about that storyline because at first, I felt like there was so many interesting plot things we were developing, that what felt kind of like a monster of the week story. I was like eh, okay, I don't really want Monster of the Week stuff. And, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations on other podcasts about how there's something really great about the six-episode, the eight-episode shows. And that often when you get, like, 12 episodes, let alone 24, there's a lot of filler. Sure. Sure. And at first I was like, eh, does this mean that maybe 16 is going to be too much and that we're going to get a lot of, like, Monster of the Week filler type stuff? And I think I still have that concern. But I think the more I thought about it, the more I felt like, it was kind of helpful to have something that wasn't that was more like day in the life because it helps to make us feel like this episode is like this storyline is slowly unfolding and we have a balance of like monster of the week versus the plot uh which kind of makes more sense in this world cuz it's not all happening at once um what what do y'all think were any of you at all bothered by the monster of the Weakness? do y'all just love it what what's your kind of take on it
0: uh it's not impacting me negatively yet like i said i the, getting the the story beats that we got with crosshair in addition to Omega getting the moments that she got. Um, yeah. It, it's a, it's not, I don't feel like we're running in circles or, you know, it, none of it has felt like, like filler yet to me. It's all been compelling storytelling. So um, as long as they continue to do that, I, I'm on board.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. it, it Maybe me being just super jaded that I'm already like, <gasps> ah, there's one monster of the week. It means there's filler. Oh no. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was I was gonna say I I agree. Like if it if we do get more, if it was just Monster of the Week, then I think it'd be a little, eh. And I didn't like that storyline as much as the Crosshair storyline. But I'm glad that it was paired with the Crosshair storyline, so it wasn't just like yeah a, f- a filler episode. Matthew, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I think that's true. I think especially the fact that even though they're the Bad Batch, that felt kind of like the B plot or the C plot. Sure. I really sure. I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, jumping back a bit, as I said, kind of the the crosshair thing was one. I, I now just want to go back to what you all brought up before about the that we also now get this larger story of how the empire is moving to storm to stormtroopers, and I, I think we all agreed that was a really wonderful storyline. I I love that it's even mentioned as uh, I think Tark, either Tarkin or Rampart, I forget which one, but says that the clones are a cost prohibitive relic of the past
0: that was tarkin that was for, sure. for sure
2: it was tarkin okay <laughs> thank you yeah it is a very like you know his kind of language um and i just love that because i love that it's you know we've talked about all these reasons why the empire might want to not use clones and i think all of them are also very true but the fact that it's also cost prohibitive like we're now getting into this is a galactic empire ruled for power 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 for the sith but it's also an empire, and there's bureaucracy, and there's costs, and there's administration, and I just, it just made my bureaucratic loving heart just so happy to hear that.
0: <laughs> well, you even got that moment with the uh, the volunteer um, soldiers, where you know the the blonde guy mentioned, like, I have a roof over my head, my I'm fed for the first time, like that never happened under the Republic. And I, I just love any of those opportunities that you get that nuance, that you get to see that the Empire is not as evil as it is. I mean, get, don't get me wrong, the Empire has done absolutely heinous, heinous things. But it's always nice to just get a little bit more um, clarity into why, you know, regular people would buy in into this. And that there is some stability and, and uh, uh, you know, there is some value to the Empire for lack of a better way of expressing myself.
1: Yeah, exactly, especially if you're a little bit further removed from, like, the politics and, like, the lightning hands of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just a regular <laughs> person, right, you see going from this endless war to, like, okay, war's finished now. Hmm. Hey, we have money now. Like, oh, I can get a job and a roof, right? Like, it's, there There are benefits to it, even though, yeah,
2: they're evil. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's something that has been very much borne out in our own world, that, like... In times of great chaos, whether it's economic or especially after, like, long warfare or, you know, unrest or, you know, things like that, people will, will feel that, like, a strong authoritative figure who can just, you know, t- t- make the trains run on time, that there's value to that. And I'm, I'm not defending that at all, but I also understand <laughs> where it comes from. You know, I think we see it, like, um, and and even, like, the idea of, like, the person who wants to become that authoritative figure manufacturing the chaos, like, that also has real world, you know, the, it, it, it's funny how much the stuff that I, when I watched when I was 14 or 15, I was like, come on, that's not, you know, this is a fun fantasy, <laughs> but that's not real. It's like, nope, nope, this stuff happens. And yeah, it, it is nice. I think you're right, J. Scotty, to see and, and both of you that because I think often like when it's, you know, our loyal band of rebels, you get the sense that every person around the empire is just like, I hate the emperor, but they're going to, you know, like whiny Luke says in the beginning of his first movie, you know, what can I do? You know, they're the empire. They have the Death Star. And seeing that, no, there are probably some people who are like, eh, at least now we don't have Jedi running around telling us what to do and what we can smoke and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And now we don't have the, uh, we have actual law and order, which is, you know, for us if we want it good, you know, I, I say all these horrible things, but but yeah, it, I, I think it should, it's so great seeing why normal people would be okay with what's happening. Sure. Yeah.
1: Well, like Luke's plan was to go join the Academy, right? Like mm. that's the Empire. Um, and then go buy some power converters from Toshi Station and stuff. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's, I think once you get a little bit away from it, you don't see how truly evil it is, unless you're like actually examining it, right? Whereas if you're just living your day to day life and not really paying that much attention to this galactic government, and especially being on like one of the outer planets, I feel like Republic or Empire, like there's a, a line from um, Last Jedi, where it's like Republic Empire, it's all the same like I'm going to sell weapons to both sides
0: mm-hmm.
1: right like once you get far enough removed from it as long as there's some sort of government that seems to be working does it really matter all that much to you if you're not like how, does it affect how you run your farm day to day yeah
2: and Mandalorian I think is doing a, is doing a great job of showing that yeah. as well because that's at the other end when the New Republic has has taken back over but they haven't established law they haven't you know established all these kind of things and, and so yeah it's nice seeing that theme kind of return to here Agreed. Agreed. I also just I, – I really like the small point they made about the difference between volunteers versus conscripts, um, mm-hmm. especially because we do know certainly by the time of The Force Awakens, but I imagine long before that that they are a mostly conscript army. So I think that's going to be an interesting tension to see. Um, And, and I'm curious like, – again, mass speculation here, how you think this will play out. It feels like this episode, though, once Tarkin realizes what actually happens, if he, maybe he doesn't, would be a very big argument for the clones. Because part of what we have seen here is that the clones are much more controllable. You know, the fact that the soldiers didn't want to do the thing. What, what's your kind of take on that? Do you think that will be kind of a, like, maybe, clone, maybe Tarkin is more leaning towards the clones because of that? Or how do you think that will play out?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I guess I'm a little I'm confused, confused as to why they're not why using not the, the existent clones, because, like, but clearly they really still so have so clones. I, get, I the, get the the money reason for not making, not making more, especially right. since, right. Um, like, one of the Kaminoans said their original DNA material from Django Fed is degrading. Right. So, like, I get why you wouldn't want to make more of them, but you, you theoretically have a whole bunch of clones right now. Why not just keep using them? And, like... Yeah, this idea of turning them into sort of the, the trainers for your army and maybe you just need a really 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 big army. Yeah. But yeah, I like what what Rampart said about um like you can you can get even more loyalty from people who sort of willingly sign up versus these clones who you make to to do this job. Um mm-hmm. I also think it might be interesting to see if we try and get some inhibitor chips put into these volunteers. Mm. Cuz like I don't think there's anything specific about the clones that make them receptive to the inhibitor chip, right?
2: That's really possible. I I think there's there's always a danger, I feel like, with prequel stories, that once you introduce something, you then have to ask why is it no longer present later? And I, I feel like if they if they introduce an inhibitor chip, they also then have to explain why Finn doesn't have one. You know, granted that's mm. forty years later, but still like once the Empire has that technology, you wonder why it doesn't. But, yeah, I think it could be a very interesting thing for them to play with.
1: Because he's just a janitor. There we go. Bam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I, I that would be super, super fascinating. I mean, I guess just in terms of speculation, the only thing I could think as far as that goes is maybe they the first wave of volunteer soldiers they do introduce this, this inhibitor chip to. And it's just kind of that facade of, uh, you know... Showing a capable fighting force because whatever kind of continuity you want to have, it, there's obviously you have to explain somehow how the stormtroopers become as terrible as they do right. in the original trilogy, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: with the clones training them, they're gonna be just like, Okay, so the plan here is just fire wildly, but first <laughs> you have to announce where you're gonna be and yell, Get him, then start firing. That's how it works, as like sort of a way of making them terrible because they still have this like goodness in them, but yeah, then crosshairs kind of uh, botched yeah. that plan for me <laughs> <laughs>
2: it, it's i feel like it's gonna be a hard thing because on the one hand it's hard to imagine star wars acknowledging like a problem of the earlier movies like namely the stormtroopers who obi-wan says are that like no one has that accuracy except stormtroopers <laughs> i do though feel like that in mandalorian they kind of lampshaded a bit like that you know when they are both shooting at like a rock on the ground and they keep missing it right that's, um, that's a fair that's fair this would be a very deep cut. I don't know if they're going to do this, but but the explanation I could kind of imagine of it is that like you know, when you think about like the way authority uses violence to keep people in line. If you actually have to shoot all the people all the time, your empire isn't going to work.
0: Hmm. What
2: makes it work is fear.
0: That's
2: and I kind of wonder if maybe that there's the idea of like the next couple of years are going to be so based around like making everyone so afraid of the clones so afraid of the stormtroopers and now by the way we're not gonna let like you're not gonna see that it's not clones anymore because everyone's still in those helmets and like 10 years later it's like okay now everyone is so afraid of the stormtroopers the stormtroopers aren't gonna have to shoot at them so maybe if we cut costs by you know giving them two weeks of rifle training instead of six months um I'll... This is a deep cut. In a lot of them. no, no. I
0: I really like that headcanon. I'll, I'll totally buy into that. That that makes the most sense out of out of any explanation I've heard so far. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> there, you go. yeah.
2: there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a really fun thing to to see play out. And uh, and this is gonna give you two a chance to talk about the animation for a second. I'm normally not the animation guy. It really made me wonder if they did some live action in animation when I saw Ooh. that flamethrower that one of the guys had. Like, hmm. it just looked... I've never seen flames on an animated screen look that animated before, looked that real before. Uh, how, how for you guys, what was the animation like, and is there anything pick, you picked up from that?
0: Uh, well, for me, I, I did mention in the previous episode that I, I noted some of those criticisms that were levied before in terms of, like, the stiltedness and whatnot. I, I have to check my own, like, biases, and I have to go back and watch that episode because I felt like that was entirely gone in this episode, and I wonder if it's a a budget thing, or if it's just, you know, the lower lighting uh, just makes the animation work that much better, but even just in the, in terms of the detail of the characters' faces, like, anytime you had dialogue, I, I just noticed so much more, just even in, like, the cheekbones and whatnot, you get, like, these almost, like, painterly brush strokes that really make them feel like living sculptures, and, I, I was just completely enraptured. There was not a single visual or animated uh, part that took me out for a second. I, I was enthralled and very pleased with uh, everything as far as that goes. This episode, um, in terms of the flamethrower, I, I would just give one hundred percent credit to the animators. They've come a long way. Even I can. I mentioned in the first episode. Anytime we get those exterior shots of like a shuttle flying through space, you could tell me that's from a live action movie, and I, I wouldn't argue with you for a second. So yeah,
1: yeah. Just I mean, even. Just seeing how far technology has come in terms of 3D animation as well. Like, having so recently watched the Clone Wars TV show, like, well, it started in, what was it, like, 2008, 2009 was Sounds the right. first season? Yeah. And that's, like, it's very, the like, very puffy, lots of reuse of the same um, models and meshes over and over and over again. Um, whereas now, yeah, it is so much more fluid, and it feels a lot more... Integrated and
2: realistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's interesting. And, and Jay Scotty, I'm going to have you on the ethics podcast at some point to talk about Invincible. Sure. I, I am. I've just been binge watching that the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, very good show. And also, I'm enjoying their uh, coverage of it on Animation Liberation. Definitely check it out. There, you guys are pointing out all sorts of things that I, I hadn't seen about it before. Yeah. Um. But but I bring it up because, to my eye at least, the animation of that is. I think intentional very, very much like this is an animated TV show. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I would never – it doesn't look realistic in a way. And, and I don't think it's bad. But to me, that's what I think of when I think of animation. And it's – for my non-animated pers- brain, it's like, okay, I love the story. I wish this was live action. It being animated doesn't do anything for me, but whatever. This to me feels fundamentally different. Like this really feels oh. like animation coming as close as it can to real. And I don't know if that's like – because Invincible didn't have a budget or if it's a very different artistic style or – what uh, what's your kind of take on that? Is it just uh, different styles or budgets? or?
0: Uh, it's a combination of all those things. I mean, inherently, they are very different um, styles. And anytime you're approaching animation from like a 3D perspective versus a 2D, I mean, just in, going from camera placement alone, like you're just you're working in almost an entirely different medium there. But um, in terms of Invincible, I, I do think in a lot of a lot of times there you, you'll notice through the episode, no spoilers here or anything like that, but they really did save their budget for the big bombastic action moments is and really, um, using all the pencil lines and all the pencil mileage for the, the facial, facial animations there. And you'll notice in, in some of the middle episodes and whatnot, some of the backgrounds are a little more low, uh, they're low, lower quality renders and whatnot, but. Uh, yeah, they're, they're just, it's kind of like tackling two different beasts, but, uh, they're both super effective in what they're trying to do. And I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity here. Just allow me to plug. Um, if you are, are listening here live or as soon as this episode comes out and you watch Invincible and you enjoy Invincible, please send us some feedback to Animation Deliberation. We're going to be doing a full season coverage and, uh, feedback episode as well as some speculation for season two, which was announced. Uh, you can send that to Animation Deliberation podcast at gmail.com please
2: definitely and when is that episode uh, when are you recording that
0: we'll be recording that on tuesday
2: okay so. cool yeah if you've not seen invincible um make sure you have a strong stomach there's a, a lot of gore <laughs> uh animated but uh for me at least it was hard to watch but uh yeah really interesting story there's a lot to take on and uh i, I i've <laughs> i stayed up a lot later than i should have two nights ago just <laughs> to, to get more of your podcast in and i'm really excited oh, thanks, man. about it thanks um what about you any kind of comments on the animation i know you you're kind of a uh, you are very much an artist yourself (laughs) going back to school for it very soon
1: um yeah yeah well i guess um so speaking of like invincible i know invincible is based on a graphic novel and i think the animation style is very like reminiscent and calling back to that sticking especially with the 2d and just like the color choice the use of line um whereas like Clone Wars, Clone Wars 3D, so, okay, before Clone Wars 3D was Clone Wars 2D, which was a very, very stylized show, and I have so much to say about that, and I think we're doing a, a podcast about it, so I'll, I'll save my my comments for there, but going from that, like, hyper-stylized, and I think it's very, like, polarizing as well, it's the same guy who did um, Samurai Jack and
0: Gen- Dexter's Gen- Lab.
1: Yep, I could not pronounce that name, thank yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so going from that to Clone Wars 3D, which is definitely, I think, supposed to look more live action and maybe even be like a substitution for live action. But animation is just easier because then we don't have to buy all these costumes for folks and like have to worry about these practical effects of lightsabers and flying through space and all that sort of stuff. Um, and now to get to here where the animation seems to be more like, more taken on as an art form, not to say that it wasn't before, but it seems less like we're using it as, um, like, I guess, going back to early Disney movies, where a lot of the criticism was, like, why aren't you just using live actors for this, right? Where it's, like, you're not showing something fanciful that requires animation, it's just, like, some chick who's asleep and then gets kissed by a dude, why is it this, <laughs> like why aren't you just using people? Um, so, like... So like- I uh, I guess I've kind of lost the plot here but uh, like okay. I I don't know I, I like that evolution of, of like animation just being a sort of means to an end in the beginning whereas now it, like we're definitely like you're talking about the brushstrokes on the faces of the characters right we're definitely getting into like the high art aspect of it yeah
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely i think that we might even do like a full episode at some point just on the animation in this show uh and it'll mostly just be me asking you questions and shutting the hell up because you all <laughs> things i don't see but. um so i think that's kind of the main things i wanted to talk about for this episode i think honestly the thing i'm most looking forward to now is seeing where crosshair is going to go mm-hmm. especially because we got that you know it does seem like he's very much in that good soldiers follow orders place but he definitely had that kind of moment of like walking into the barracks that he used to share with his brothers, the clones. Now he's with these new people. And he looked kind of pensive. And, you know, he looked to the, the marks on the walls. Um, so I feel like that's, for me, the thing I'm, I'm kind of really excited about. I also just love seeing Uncle Wrecker being best uncle. Yes. Um, that was really great. Um, I, was that his stuffy? Like, he had, like, a little stuffed animal that he loved. And that was his that he, like, put in her room that she cuddled with, right?
0: It looked like it, yeah. Uh.
1: I didn't catch that, but that's extra adorable.
0: <laughs>
2: so what, what about for you all? Any kind of like wrap-up comments or things to bring up or, or mention?
0: Uh, well, the one thing that got mentioned in the episode that I don't, I don't think we discussed is we did bring up the degradation of uh, Django Fett's original clone material, but the response to that was that the clones that um, they would require to you know, enact this contingency plan, those clones would not be willing to return, but they only needed one. And my mind immediately went to Om- Omega. Um, I'm, I'm just curious to see what your guys' thoughts are there and where you think that, that's going. Because they already have mm. crosshair. What I, what makes any mean? of the other ones so different? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess I didn't even think it was anyone in the Bad Batch because they were looking over the mess hall of, like, other clones. So I was just like, no, oh, they're just going to grab someone from down there. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, you're. I mean, you're probably right. It's almost definitely Omega. Because mm. especially, like, she seems to have been designed specially and maybe not necessarily from like Django Fat's DNA from like sure. something different. Um, yeah.
2: I only watched it once. so I may have missed this, but my impression certainly was that I think they said something about how like, you know, the experiments we've been doing, there was something about like that. They're already starting to examine this idea of making better clones. Yes, And I think that that's why Sarah, I, I would agree with you. I, that's what I especially took to me and that they're talking about Omega or Amiga you know, that, she is, net, that mm-hmm. she is much younger because, like, she was started many years later, you know, as their attempt to sort of be like, can we, what if we make female clones? What if we make clones with a couple of these different enhanced abilities? Um, it, we haven't even mentioned it yet, but for someone with their first shot ever to shoot a rifle out of someone's hands, to me, that's an incredible act of marksmanship that I think is, is uh, that and plus some of the other stuff, like her intelligence uh, I, I don't think that she's supposed to also be an enhanced clone. So I, I think we may be going there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems like she's almost a mix of, if not all of them, then a few of them, because even when she was following Hunter and, and doing the tracking, right? Like, like I mentioned earlier, she saw dirt yesterday um, and is now like following the dirt into this, um, the the moon dragons hole. And like, she did see that it went in there. So like it's a pretty, pretty good hint, but she was like touching the dirt and sort of mimicking Hunter's actions. There, um, so yeah, she might she might have a a little bit of all of these enhancements purposely put in instead of them being like accidental mutations.
2: I think it's certainly possible. Yeah, agreed. Sarah, from you, any other kind of last things you wanted to mention?
1: Um, I guess I had a couple of head scratch moments, which were um, so we talked about the bad parenting already, um, but when uh, she was when Omega was talking about. Um, like, Crosshair's not being there. And they were all kind of sad. This was, like, immediately after talking about how she didn't have a bed. Like, why isn't she just sleeping in Crosshair's bed, I guess, is my question. And we did get, like, the nice moment of Wrecker making the little, like, cave for her, which was super cute. But yeah, like, our... Do the clones not have beds, like, in their ship? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and also I really liked the, like, um the roller coaster strap in and how wrecker like didn't quite fit in it i thought that was another cute little little moment
0: yeah good call
2: i I took that because i I had the same thought and i think what i thought of it was that like they're not quite willing to accept that crosshair is gone and so it's not it is crosshair's bed and having someone else use it wouldn't feel right but also the, like, okay, 10-year-old girl, you have to sleep on the floor because of her yeah. mentality. Like, I wish there had been a moment, I, I, you know, I wish they had, like, kind of, like, if that was where they're going, they had named that and someone been like, come on, it can still be his bed, but she needs a bed to sleep on.
1: Or, like, Wrecker sleeps on the floor and she sleeps in Wrecker's bed? Yeah, like, that just didn't make a ton of sense. But we did get, like, a nice little moment out of it, so.
2: Well, especially him building her her own room because, as we've seen, they've never had their own room. They've always just been, like, you know... A bunch of them bunking together Mm -hmm. the only other little thing that i i noted and it was very small but i think they're starting to develop a little bit of tension between tech and echo Mm -hmm. because echo i think is also (laughs) i mean he's kind of like Lobot; he's kind of a walking computer in some ways and i think we're establishing that like they have very different kinds of intelligence but they're both hyper intelligent and hyper tech and -hmm. they're having a little bit of like how do we fit together and so i'm it was just barely mentioned but i'm curious to see where that's going to go
0: yeah. That whole sequence where they were under, you know, the undercarriage of the of the ship and, and messing with the capacitor and you had the moon dragon lurking around, that I got very uh Empire Strikes back vibes, you know, when they land on that asteroid and they have the minox, you know, um terrorizing the Millennium Falcon. And I, I just love any time you can get those little uh, like George Lucas said it's it's poetry and even though it's um not completely rhyming, you just you get the little um callbacks yeah callbacks and and the the shades there yeah i I love stuff like that
1: yeah totally yeah i also liked the like the the scenes before that where like tech and echo are talking about like what's what's important and what's not Mm. right like um echo's complaining that you know stuff on the ship hasn't been fixed because he needs help very pointedly asking tech to help him and then tech just being like we have life support. That's all we need. <laughs> we're good. Don't worry about it. I'm going to look at this chip thing. It's just like, we got to get on the same page, my dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I think, obviously, there's so much still for what we're going to see. Um, thank you both so much for being a part of this. Um, uh, for, from all time zones, it's hard, but especially Jay Scotty. It is rather <laughs> um, early in the morning. I really appreciate no being a part no of this here. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having and to me. Our fans, and to our fans and listeners, um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Shortly next week, if you want to hop on with us at 9 a.m. Central, if you don't have one of those odd uh, job things or a reason to, or I have a job. We, many of us have a job. <laughs> if you're able to be active on Twitch uh, at 9 a.m. Central on Fridays, you're very welcome. Give us feedback and questions live. Or if you want to send them in by email, uh, we had a great one last time that we read on the episode. Um, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at The Ethical Panda. That's kind of the name that all of my podcasts go under. Uh, by searching for The Ethical Panda. You can also email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com uh, or just go to theethicalpanda.com and there you'll find my podcasts about the Star Wars universe as well as the ethics podcast that Jay Scotti with his partner Zuhair Ali is doing great coverage of the animation liberation. We're going to have them on to discuss the ethics of that uh, as well as all those other podcasts. And then everything else that we do is all can be found on uh, all these podcasts all these podcasts, uh, as well as Jay Scotty's podcast, as well as other great podcasts about the MCU, Star Trek, uh, so many other great things, can all be found at StrandedPanda.com. So definitely check that out. Uh, Sarah, for folks who want to kind of like follow any other stuff you're doing and things like that, where can they find you?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, you can check out my Instagram, I guess. It's uh, Sarah Hayashi Art. Um, I have Twitter, but I think the last time I tweeted was like to complain about a customer service interaction like a year and a half ago. So that's maybe not the best place to follow me. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. And, and just got, uh, we gave you somewhat of a plug already, but just to round it out, what else you want to let people know about animation liberation and kind of what they can expect checking it out and how they can give you feedback.
0: Yeah, yeah, just uh anywhere you find your podcast, uh Animation Deliberation. Uh we are doing a a contest for five star giveaways. Uh if you participate in that on Apple Podcast, we will enter you for a drawing for a Stranded Panda Network t-shirt. Um other than that, you know, the Stranded Panda chat is a great way to to reach out to us to there and uh as far as stuff that's uh coming up, we're definitely excited to continue this partnership for Bad Batch, but we are definitely looking on the horizon. We've got MODOK just around the corner on May 21st, so we're super excited to to get some new Marvel content, and that looks like it's going to be a ton of fun, and we're going to uh, really look forward to, to getting into that. So, uh, again, thanks for the opportunity to be here. This was, this was a lot of fun.
2: Awesome. Great. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you to all the fans for tuning in, and have a great day.